all this time, Porter, everything you've done, everything you've said, I've heard all about. So you've made some remarks in the past about when is Papa Fritz going to be here. Papa Fritz is here. I'm Pete, and I'm with Kelly and Johnny. Johnny, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. That's awesome. Awesome to hear that, brother. Uh, Kelly, how's that life out on the farm, my friend? Uh, it's, it's, it rained all morning. It's cloudy right now, but, you know, other than that, life is awesome. So, so you don't, so this is your job now as a farmer, right? <laughs> <laughs> my job is, is not having a job. Okay. <laughs> So it's just caretaking of the land. Yeah. But you yeah. don't do anything. Lots of time for reading and podcasting. And, okay. uh, oh, occasionally there's there's work to be done. But but like at most like two hours a day. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Easy life. Okay. Yeah, it's just something that I just want to want to get out there. Hey, he's got, no, no, he, dying he, to know. He's got farm hands. That, you know, they live in a, you know, they live by down by the barn and. You're just like in the Wizard of oh, Oz, yeah. you know the three. <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister Haney comes by with their dry goods and stuff. Yeah, Mister Mister Haney's coming by. Well, there, Mister Nelson, I think I could get you a good deal on this. <laughs> you need some podcasting equipment. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a he's got a he's got a, a very smart pet pig too. <laughs> yes, he, he offers <laughs> Kelly the Commodore sixty four system. Oh shit. All right, but hey, let's get right back. You get right into it, man. We're looking at February eighteenth, nineteen eighty four, World Class Championship Wrestling today, and we open up with the Missing Link versus Mike Reed. Why don't you talk and talk about it, Kelly? <laughs> well, I, I think I have like one sentence devoted to the to the match. I, I was more interested in the the um, who was supposed to be wrestling. The missing link. Apparently, it was supposed to be George Weingeroff, according to the graphic just before the match started. And then Mercer, when the match starts, says Reed is replacing Larry Higgins. Yeah, it's all so, over. So the okay, there's two <laughs> two guys that didn't show up. <laughs> that just shows you how intimidating the missing link is, I guess. <laughs> so we got Mike Reed, who's the resident. <laughs> the resident job guy in Dallas, and the one sentence I wrote was "total destruction of Reed." It's a uh, it's a pretty quick squash, as it should be to get Link over as as pretty much the the new big force in the territory. So there uh, clearly it looks like, and I'll get to you, Johnny, in a sec. It, it looks like though, because of how how herky jerky was the the switcherooski, it looks like they all have old Bill records those things separate from the action. Maybe uh, records them a week out or, or further out than when the show airs, huh? 
I think, well, the, the audio is recorded first and then the graphics on the screen are, are later. But okay. there must have been just a, a mix-up because George Weingroff is actually going to debut in the territory next, next week. week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they just had it off by a week. But I was thinking, I was thinking this, and maybe um, I'm, I'm completely – because also the week prior they announced David's death. Here they don't mention it at all, do they? No. And no, because this was this was taped the right. same day as the previous week's show. Yeah. Exactly, and so I think Weingroff, I think it's legit. His, I think he debuts next week. I think this is where the cutoff is because in the following week, they they talk about his death. Um, as that's what I'm getting at is that's why I I think either those things those the cutouts are interview are set up beforehand and then when like the flights or something like this gets canceled, like with Weingroff, who they he still debuted in it, but he was uh, like a taping a week late, you know? Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Because I mean, obviously they're taping two or three weeks worth of content on for each sportatorium mm-hmm. show. Weingroff missed his connection yeah. on his uh, way through Dallas in the hub. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, what do you think about it? I mean, and then obviously no one really gives a shit about what I'm trying to dig at, so we'll oh, no, no, move on <laughs> from there. Um, There's nothing to argue about. Um, well, first of all, Lorenz announces to the crowd, George Weingroff had travel issues, and I'm thinking, who cares? What, do you think, and anyone, that, no, number one, no one in the audience is waiting for the great debut of George Weingroff. Well, no, that you're, that's, that's where you're wrong, Johnny, in a way. Really? Um, they're not, not that they're like dying as not going to be Weingroff, but they probably released a card or a poster with all the matches on, hey, come down, you know, because this is a live card, mm-hmm. not just a television taping. So they probably announced ahead of time, Missing Link versus George Weingroff. Yeah, so the but, fan in the audience probably already were aware or they were anticipating a wine graph. Is anyone going to go to now go and ask for a refund? Well, fuck no. But <laughs> it, uh, but I think it's because it was, it was like one of those things that are announced, you know, the asterisk cards are subject to change and they're just being honest and upfront with their audience who, who not only are, it's also live television. It's not live, but it's taped for TV, but it's also uh, an arena card. Yeah, well, Lorenz announces him as, Here's, and here's his replacement, the very capable Mike Reed. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> Lorenz, it's funny, here's the funny thing with Lorenz. As we, from, the last, from the Fort Worth show we did, we were all saying, he's a good announcer. But he's not a good ring announcer. It's like him and, <clears throat> excuse me, him and Bill should switch. <laughs> I think Bill would be a better ring announcer and Lorenz is a better play-by-play guy. Because he introduces mm. the missing link like this. And in this corner, the unusual and dangerous missing link. <laughs> yeah, they should have made. They should have made. Uh, they should have done it and done it like the WWF did with Mean Gene, and and Mean Gene was actually pretty good on commentary though. Yeah. But uh, Mean Gene definitely. He, they should have made. Uh, uh, you know, uh, made him uh, like in world class. They should have had him just doing interviews and doing uh, and doing the actually uh, announcing the ring announcing, not yeah. the play by play. You know, they should have yeah, because- that. Because Bill Mercer has a few lines in this one. He, he's talking about the missing link, and he says, he's walking around the ring like a salamander grasping for breath. How would What? <laughs> what are you doing with the salamanders, Bill? <laughs> and, and he also calls the missing link a prehistoric reptile. A reptile. 
Reptile. Reptile. <laughs> is that a is that a, a regional? Like, I don't think so. I, I, look, we've been doing podcasting with Pete here for years and years. He's never said <laughs> right. reptile instead of reptile. I, no. He's just bad. But yeah, this was squash. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a squash. He gets the link over. Squash matches are effective, and, and this, this oh, is yeah. fine for what it was, you know? I, I love them because remember we were joking that isn't this the match we didn't see from the 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 Fort Worth show? It was Mike Reed versus the Link. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I think I think so, yeah. And we were joking that you know, they, they probably gave Mike Reed too much offense. So maybe they didn't. Maybe they did exactly what they did here. Which yeah, is- maybe uh, it's possible. We'll never know for sure. But hey, uh, then we get into a Freebird interview, and uh, I mean, this just goes over hits a lot of points. Uh, why don't you talk talk us through it, Johnny? Well, uh, Bill's interviewing the Freebirds in the ring, and Hayes is wearing a Stars and Bars long sleeve shirt that you know it is what it is. But Bill, at, at the end. Uh, they're making fun of what Bill's wearing in his shirt. And he says to Michael, Oh, I, he goes, I like your shirt. I'm like, Oh, do you Bill? Do you? Yeah. Hmm. Now, now I like you even less. And but it was great. They're talking about who they beat up the Von Erics. And he's like, I understand it was you, Terry Gordy. And Terry goes, Oh, you're making me sound. You're making me feel like a big old bully. And I was like, God, I, Gordy could be great on the mic at times. Yeah, he, he's the weirdest thing where I, at points, I'm like, wow, he's fantastic. And then there's other times where I'm like, God, he's just marble mouth in it. Uh, yeah. He's like one of them. He's ultimately, I saw on Twitter, like, who's a guy who people talk about as a great worker or a bad worker who's really pretty good? Or you can take it with Gordy, who was, was like the biggest hit or miss promo guy. I can make an argument. I think I can make that argument on any. Uh, in on that where Gordy could be the greatest hit or miss promo of all time. Yeah. And he was here and they're, and they're showing the footage of when Kevin ran in all bloody from uh, the past show. And he, and Hayes even mentioned it cause you know, Kevin attacks David and Mike when he's doing that, he's like, look at him. He don't even like his own brothers. That was a great line. <laughs> and, and then they're asking, he's like, well, Bill's asking, well, did you do this? Did, and uh buddy goes, Hey, what are you a cop? <laughs> and, and this is great. This was just the free birds mouthing off and, you know, dick waving and fucking with Bill Mercer in the middle of a ring, uh, middle of the ring, getting booed out of the building. So it was good stuff. Uh, but he also explains, cause remember Mike runs in with the boot and cleans house. And, uh, he's just like, we didn't run away cause of Mike and a boot. We ran away cause Manning said he'd suspend us if we didn't run away. And I was like, no, I like that. That's good. Yeah, I like that. That's such a better, uh, that's such a, a heel psychology type. Yeah. Of thing. It's such a heel thing to say. Like and spin it, on. Yeah. We ain't afraid of that baby face, you know? Yeah. It's good. Uh, it's good. So I like, I really like this. I really like this segment. You know, it actually kind of felt like, uh, almost, almost like a DX type of skit, uh, promo in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if DX was, you know, if they, Brought it back in 1980, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you, you obviously weren't going to be flashing tits and showing that or doing glow sticks because they weren't around in 1980. But this felt like a precursor to like a – or like kind of where DX kind of got their ideas type of yeah, – this, this is the precursor of original DX, not yeah. not middle-aged guys with glow sticks yeah. doing poop jokes, but the original DX, which <laughs> actually actually had an edge to it. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that's what that's you're right. That, that that reminds me a lot of that. Kelly, what did you think of the interview, man? Oh yeah, great stuff from the birds. Yeah, just like you said, this is the birds at their peak when they were cool. It's it's great to see any footage of this era and, and how you know to remind you how great they were and how cool they were and how over they were at the time. Um, but of course, this is all in relation to what happened last week, and, and David was involved. And um, I, I think we'll save any discussion about that until the end of the show, how this is, you know, eight days after David died, and he's still um, talked about on this show quite a bit, but we can talk about that at the end. Oh, the, ne- hey, the next show we're recording, we got a lot to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. Several episodes in a row, I think we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. All right. Um, there's one thing that I've always, I've, you know, and again, maybe because this was Christian television or what have you, but it, it seems weird that the best promos in the company didn't really get a whole ton of promo time here. It, uh, maybe it might have been on Saturday night shows where the Freebirds got to do a lot more interviews, but I've really been kind of disappointed by the lack of them on the uh, Sportatorium shows. What say you, John? Yeah, there's not as much. It doesn't feel like there's as many as there used to be. Uh, like Even in 82, there was a lot more of ringside uh, promo time uh, at the Sportatorium. They haven't, and this one is not even at ringside. It's in the middle of the ring. Ring. And uh, yeah. so it was, it was different. It, and maybe these interviews, maybe the lack of interviews, maybe because these are, it's an arena card, chopped up for some television mm-hmm. but yeah i've always been you know and the tv we, we grew up on was like saturday night wcw saturday night where i mean it was like most of the show was 70 percent of the show was interviews and uh and you get like quick squash matches here and there and uh so maybe that's the difference is there's a lot more competitive wrestling here so you, the wrestling time is dialed way up versus the promo time uh, what about you kelly where what do you think yeah, so we talked about this before. I think they've just edited out all the hard sell promos with, like, you know, the specific dates for the shows and f- even phone numbers on the screen and to get tickets and stuff like that. And I think they've done that with all the shows on the network that have, are from the 80s pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Heck, yeah. I, yeah, you're probably right. And uh, and it's possible uh, that it's, it's also possible that this got re-edited, the, the television got re-edited when – when we're when ESPN got the tapes too. Mm, that's yeah, true. it's got a few hands over the years, and that's probably why you have that's why world class has probably the most because they had the most editing done on it um, and stuff. But hey, let's move over uh, to a really interesting matchup, and this is a matchup of pair of luchadors, uh, famous luchadors, especially Pero Aguayo, yeah. uh, Fishman versus Pero Aguayo. Um, talk about it, Kelly. Hmm. Yeah, this was cool because it came out of nowhere, totally. Um, and it's always neat to see the Lucha guys, um, here in world class. We have it happen maybe once every three or four months. It just sort of randomly happens. So this is cool. I don't think I'd ever seen, well, I probably had seen Paraguayo wrestle before but off the top of my head I couldn't tell you that I have and I know he was a legend he just passed away last July 3rd actually and was you know celebrated and when he died as far as being like 
one of the all-time greats. Fishman has been in the territory a few times. And uh, yeah, this, this, was, this was fun. I mean, the crowd doesn't really know who they are, so we didn't have much heat. But it was a solid match, solid work from both guys. And Aguayo won with a huge senton off the second rope. I don't have many other notes, but it was one of Aguayo's, actually one of his rare appearances in the USA. He worked a bit in L.A., in the early 80s, and he was actually in the WWF a bit in 1997 when they were doing some and he experimentation the with Lucha guys. Okay, and then there's that too. But yeah, very limited otherwise. Yeah, he's a legendary brawler and stuff. Yeah, you can tell it's by looking at him kind of with the furry boots like Bruiser Brody and has uh, definitely the scar tissue to prove it. I, uh, th- th- you know, having the luchador, especially down in Texas, like well, watching the Houston footage, we got a lot of luchadors. Mm-hmm. Paul Bosch uh, used it a lot. I think Joe Blanchard used a lot, uh, used them here a lot too. World Clash, uh, I would say, I mean, still mm-hmm. use them. I would say uses them frequently compared to like, say, you know, World Class or, or not World Class, or I mean, uh, the, uh, Crockett or, or Vince or what have you. Um, and it's a, it's an act where I think if they would have were worked the, the territory regularly, I feel like they would have been a great opening act type of thing, or to really get the crowd going, or they could even you know developed because uh, it's past Jose's prime. I actually tried to develop a Hispanic star in you know Dallas, which I think would have gotten over. Um, but yeah, so but it was interesting. It was a nice little uh, little postage stamp moment here. Uh, what do you think, John? What do you think of the match? Well, first of all, going back to your point here, I know I was I'm just getting the impression. Let's see, Joe Blanchard, and we know we know Paul Bosch considered the Mexican American Hispanic audience a priority, and and would cater to them and give them people that they wanted to see. I don't think Fritz gives that much of a shit I about drawing there, yeah. about drawing yeah. the the mexican-american audience he he wants those teeny boppers and girls in there screaming for his boys he doesn't give a yeah, shit it was all about his boys to promote. yeah and this match i don't know i it, I, know, I know how good paraguayo is and fishman's being good this kind of seemed like they're just going through the motions because they, they they could like some of the kickouts Pero was doing was like looking like he barely moved he's like yeah get off me get, you know there's like there was, there was a spot where he just bumps Fishman with his shoulder slightly, and Fishman just runs to the other side of the ring and bounces off the ropes. Just, well, that's more. It's more. That's more lucha. It's just uh, yeah, yes, yeah, true. Now, now, what didn't look soft to me was that senton that he hit to finish the match. That looked rough from the top rope, and and then I was trying to figure out like who's the baby face and who's the heel here, and the crowd made their decision. From right away, they liked Paro. That's who they were cheering for. Maybe it was the the furry boots, uh, or something. But or in the who, or in the history of the United States, usually uh, mask wrestlers were heels. Okay, and yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's more. Right. That's true. And Bill Bill says he was he's talking about his boots. He's like maybe Paro is from the mountainous parts of South America. That explains his boots. He might come from a sheep herder family. Yeah, herding sheep up in the. Oh, shut up! And he calls him a young man <laughs> here, 
And I'm like, young man, he looks 53 here. He's, it's all that scar <laughs> tissue, but he doesn't look like a young man. And then he goes into the boots. He's like, those, I guess you could call them leg warmers. You know, many women are wearing leg warmers nowadays. So I bet many of the young ladies are finding his leg warmers stylish. <laughs> then he mentions, and I don't remember. <laughs> you guys have to fill me in on this. If I, I guess, does Butch Reed come here for a little bit? Make yeah. A, okay. Because he says that. Oh, he does? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, he says, I know. He, he works Parade of Champions in 84. Okay, okay, because he says that the great black wrestler who is the North American champion, Hacksaw, and I was waiting for him to say Jim Duggan. I was like, get it all wrong. And he says, Butch Reed, why he had to add that he's black, I don't know, because nobody else does that. You know, I don't, even in Memphis, if Butch Reed was swinging by Memphis with the North American belt, they wouldn't, uh, Lance Russell wouldn't be saying, the great black athlete is coming. No, they don't do that. I don't know why he does that. Oh, I know, because he loves that shirt of Michael Hayes's. But uh, then speaking of the Freebirds, <laughs> he, he's trying to describe what the Freebirds are like, and he loses his train of thought. And he goes, what's the word one could say that, that, that mean, that they're mean? Well, how about the, that they're mean? I'm like, yeah, just say they're mean. You could try and come up with fancy words and just say what, uh, say what you mean. And then I thought it was going to be a draw. I'm saying this is going to be a fucking draw. And then... Nope. Then he hits a that senton that splattered fish man, and uh, and he won. Uh, it, it, it was okay. It was okay. I, I just you know wasn't really. What, I, I saw the. I definitely saw the charisma of Pero Aguayo come through the screen. I just the match didn't do much for me though. Yeah, I can only understand that, and especially the style. I think you got to get accustomed to. Uh, especially 80s lucha when you think about it, which I mean, I don't think you watch a lot of lucha, period. And then, uh, 80s lucha is totally different than well, uh, than I, actually, I actually watched a lot with Will for uh, for the for 80 set? project, yeah, for the okay. project. And uh, so there was a lot I really liked. This, I don't know, I, I felt they were just like they knew that they were just had to go through the motions here, and yeah, I, I can I can totally buy that argument. To me, it was more like an exhibition than a match. Yes, that's um, a that's yes, that's that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I still thought it was fun. I thought it was very fast. Um, they had cool moments, and some of the moments you're like, eh. uh, but yeah, kind of like here you go, guys. You have eight minutes. You can go through just go. Let's go, go, go. They showed a that they worked at a quicker pace than most of the workers in the U.S. You know what this reminded Pete? You know what this reminded me of because. The audience, usually these audiences are world-class, and in the 80s, are just making noise throughout the whole match. This, they were only popping for the moves. Yeah. It, 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 it made it feel modern, because the modern crowd <laughs> pops for yeah. moves. They don't become immersive in the experience. It's, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they'd start saying, this is awesome, uh, during some of this. It <laughs> this is where it was invented. <laughs> The invention of the This Is Awesome chant was... That's what I was wondering now that they actually Dallas. have the WWE's using wrestlers in the audience. I was wondering if they are going to do the with This Is Awesome chant. Oh, God. If they, See, I'm not watching it with even... I want, I want real crowds. I don't want... Actually. Yeah, I haven't watched any, except I will say I did watch the Thatcher-Riddle-Pit uh, match. I might watch that because I heard it was pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome, and it's a gimmick that yeah, they totally should use more often. Uh I, I tweak it a little bit, but man, yeah, it was a, but then again, they're not going to ask my ideas on how I would tweak it, uh, where I feel they have this platform up top 
where they, it could take away from the whole entire idea of what the game well, is about. Well, Pete, well, Pete, I've got a surprise for you. On the other line, it's Triple H. Uh, Pete, you have something you want to say <laughs> to the game here? <laughs> That's a good one, John. All right. Um, next up, we got old Mike Von Eric versus Buddy Roberts. You know, and this is um, this is Super Push 1984 continues here. Uh-huh. Now, uh, oh, you, oh, you're, oh, this uh-oh. is more than Super Push. This is yeah. Universal Mega Push 84. Nepotism 101 <laughs> push in wrestling. This and is, let's this look is, at this is, let's look at the guys they put Mike Von Eric with. We've had him open up with Skandar, who's a seasoned pro. You know, someone uh, an easy win to get him over. He's worked with the world. Being going to a draw, he had that great squash for that squash guy. What was his name? Uh, um, Cheatham. Yeah. Ron Cheatham made him look like a million. Oh, bucks. Yeah, Ron Cheatham. Yeah, made him look <laughs> yeah. like a million bucks. And now he gets to work with another seasoned pro uh, who you know is going to try to make him look as good as possible. They're doing it perfectly. It's just the wrong fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, I, this is, I mean. You know, it's funny. Can you imagine if we had the audience of today and they shit on Roman Reigns' push? What they'd do with fucking Mike Buck and Von Eric if he was pushed on the main roster like this? Oh, boy. It's something. They don't imagine? care. Think of that. But what, what, what did you talk about it, John? Tell us about this match. Well, they don't. Well, I think this audience, they don't care. To this audience right here, this is my, it's a new Von Eric. And they're all in. But yeah, this would. Like I was, like I was saying. People complained about the Eric Eric Watts push back in the day. That's nothing compared to this. This is this is outrageous. But I, I see why. Um, and while Mike's in there with Buddy uh, uh, Mercer, he goes, here, "Here comes Mike Von Eric. He comes running down the ring like Harry Von Eric, David Von Eric, Kevin Von Eric, or even Fritz Von Eric. Maybe someday Lance Von Eric. He has an uncle named Waldo Von Eric. He's listing off all the Von Erics. He's the next in the line, and he felt the need to say them all by name. It was so weird. And then, and Buddy, I mean, Buddy is busting his ass here, making Mike look good. And Mike's holding his own, you know. He's not completely inept. He's he knows that he he's, he knows to go to a headlock. You know, you don't know what else to do. Go to a headlock, and and at one point he's using a sleeper, and Bill Mercer apparently forgot what a sleeper hold is. He used he always calls yeah. it a he, he calls it a sleep hold <laughs> usually. And here he's clearly got Buddy in a sleeper, but he's doing the waving of his arms like he's falling asleep. And he, she's like, "Oh, that's a chin lock." He, he, he doesn't realize it's a sleeper. It's so bizarre. And of course, Mike wins. The match is fine. You know, if, if you're if you're gonna watch, if you want to watch a green guy get carried, you know, by a, an expert, then watch this match because that's what it is. Because Buddy is amazing. Um, but even then at the end, buddy, and he may have started this just to get some extra heat, but he pushes Manning and Manning pushes him back and gets in his face and like stands up to buddy and buddy cowers from the referee. So there's a lot not to like in this match, but buddy Roberts is, is, is the little gem in this. 
and fucking might get superstar reactions. Yep. I mean, ninety nine percent of the, going the current current repro- product would kill for Mike von Eric's fucking reactions. Jesus yeah. Christ! In in any and in, in, in be it WWE or AEW or whatever anywhere, yeah, they kill for fucking. It. Okada would kill for these reactions. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. What uh, What about you, Kelly? What do you What do you think of this uh, uh, masterpiece of Buddy Robertisms? Well, it is a yeah, it is a masterpiece for Buddy. Um, he he's worked with Mike multiple times already. This, I mean, I'm starting to. It's not not really appreciate Mike, but I defended him a lot on the Fort Worth show. And I'll, I'll say it again. I mean, he's 19 years old. He's probably wrestled about 10 matches at this point. And he's mm-hmm. one of the most pushed baby faces in the United States, basically. Um, he's learning. Yeah, he's having to learn how to be a wrestler while being pushed as a, as a superstar, which is not easy. So, yeah, he, he had... It, 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 this match was fascinating for, you know, knowing how inexperienced Mike is, you see all these things that he's, you know, he just doesn't know what to do in in certain situations. Uh, I love how he hit the ring, you know, doing his best pissed off Bob Backlund attack <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Buddy before the bell even started. That was that was that was cool. The crowd is red hot, and then, like you said, Johnny, just you know, headlocks. That's you know, that's a safety blanket for green re- green wrestlers. It's just what you can do without having to do anything of any uh, uh, athleticism or psychology or anything. And you mentioned the sleeper being miscalled by Mercer. Yeah, I think he's been hitting the bottle harder and harder (laughs) with each passing week. Um, (laughs) Him and Soli are doing Zoom calls. Yeah, they're they're competing. Soli's on the phone with him going, God damn it, I can call an amazing wrestling match three sheets to the fucking wind. You, you're terrible, Bill. <laughs> did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you hear me at yeah, Starcade 83? I was shit-faced. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike's so limited. He has hardly any offense, doesn't have psychology. And uh, the, clunky, the pin was clunky. Or, or a good yeah. look. <laughs> well, it's on a relative scale with the Von Erics. I mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's smaller than the rest of them. He doesn't have any, I mean, the only, like, only thing going for him is his last name, gimmick last name is Von Eric. And, uh, right. I mean, I, I mean, I understand it, feeling yeah. sorry for him. I'm not, I don't not feel sorry for him, but it, I mean, we still got to, judge him against what's going on here and it's he sucks yeah and again well i i mean for 19 i mean yeah it sounds like you want to give him like a last praise trophy for participation here kelly i mean it's uh, it's not even that i'm just i think we're being just a tad harsh because the other von erics didn't have to they weren't being pushed this hard at the, at the same age and of course yeah because they were all like breaking in pretty much hot. around the same time and stuff so yeah and the promotion was in the shitter at the time or nowhere near as popular as it was when mike debuted and doing twenty thousand um 
Right, yeah, no. I mean, he was, at the, he was put, in a, put in a shit position. That's what relates to why he ended up committing suicide. I mean, it's it's a sad yeah. tale, but the but then we can't, you know, turn that off just because he uh, committed suicide. I mean, yeah, I feel sorry for the guy, but he's not good. And, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, everything's going against him. I mean, he's, the only thing going, he has going for him is the fans are pretty accepting of him because of he's a Von Eric brother. I would have just hit him in – I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he was never going to make it. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 I agree. But I oh, can... I'm not justifying the push. He should have. He never should have been pushed this hard. Yeah, I mean, that's on Fritz. Old. Yeah, that's no a, this is a Fritz, Fritz thing. And they're, but they're, what they're doing is is how you should push a, a guy. You want him to get hot in your territory by you want him to look good, so you right. put him with with yeah with a nice blue chip talent. Piece, yeah, you, you should be putting him in there with these type of workers, but Mike is just is not gonna it's just not gonna happen. He's not you know, he's not like David when David though when he broke in, yeah, he was a string bean, he still was pretty damn skinny when he passed away, but you had always had the potential where you believed that he could grow into his body like Barry Windham eventually did. You always had that thing going for him. But I but Carrie had the body, Kevin had the athleticism. Uh, Dave cut a promo. Mike has shown that he had none of that thing going for him, and uh, the only thing is because his dad wanted another son in the main event picture, and that's why he got his push. But I bet, I bet when David, let's just use David as an example, when David first debuted, I'm sure, and we didn't see any of that. That was when they didn't have the TV and everything, but they had. Well, but we did see his match against Harley Race. Harley Race. Same age as Mike, and he yeah. was so green in that match. But yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And he was pushed the exact same way. So it's, I'm sh- I'm sure David wasn't all that great at first either. You know, I'm sure none of them were all that great at first either, and had amazing pushes. Yeah, the other difference also is they those brothers all had athletic backgrounds. David was a yeah played college, but didn't he play college basketball? Uh, I mean, did Carrie was a discus thrower? Kevin played. College football at North Texas State. Mike was a poet, like play guitar. I mean, it's yeah. just uh, it, it was what it was. I mean, I mean, yeah, he probably had other talents that suited him way better than the wrestling business. And it's a shame that yeah, he got bullied. Uh, probably the odds are he got bullied into it. Um, it wasn't like, like you could tell Chris Von Eric wanted it so bad, but he he had no business being in this business. Oh no, maybe Mike, maybe maybe Mike was also going like. Yeah, I may not be all into this. I'd rather play guitar and write poetry, but I really want to get some pussy. And boy, there's a lot of pussy out there. Yeah, that's possible. Right that's a possibility. <laughs> or, or it was that you know you kind of did what Daddy did, and that's I got a vibe that Fritz uh, called a lot of the shots and stuff. Yeah, and as Kevin Von Eric said, I wasn't the favorite son, but number two was a good spot to be. You know, uh, and I'm sure oh, Mike would have so weird would much rather been. Instead of the number four spot, I mean, he'd rather been in the number two or uh, number one spot. But his push, it just was wasn't never going to work out because he didn't have he didn't have it. He didn't have the wrestling connection. Really didn't just didn't have the have it. You know. Um, All right. So let's get off mic. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Let's let's you know this this goes down a dark path because what's coming up next is great. Yes, Flair versus Adams. This match is absolutely awesome. Um, mm-hmm. It's a match I get four stars. I easily could have gone higher. It's a match that you put it on Raw or AEW. It'd be have it'd be hard pressed to follow. 
Um, this is really good stuff. Um, you know, Flair has that aura of being the kingpin wrestler, the world champion. He has that aura. I loved the pre-match talk to Sunshine and, you know, saying that she's going to be the only one cheering for Chris Adams of all the ladies in the audience. Loved it. Adams has, a, has a something about him. I dig – I love his jackets or his capes. It, he stands out. Um, this had like a uh, – like they really did a really good job of meshing styles here where they did classic world title uh, mat wrestling where they were exchanging holes early on and there was move, counter moves type of thing like the old – where you'd, 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 you'd think back to like how Briscoe and, and Dory Funk would do it. They also uh, highlighted it with some modern big bomb throw-in. Um, so, yeah, I was really digging the chain wrestling early on. And then uh, they did a good job of meshing Adam's really athletic style with Flair. And Flair, you know, everyone talks about a Flair formula. But, you know, what Flair tatered, you know, he'd, yeah, he had a formula. We've seen that. But, you know, when he'd work with, like, athletic workers like Chris Adams or Terry Taylor or Ricky Steamboat, who actually had kind of had who wrestlers who had kind of had high wrestling IQs? He'd work it differently, and he'd uh, this felt more like something like it was like it almost felt like a it was just an athletic wrestling contest, and and I thought Flair was fantastic at uh, at his, his selling, and I thought the both guys they made all the moves really matter in the match. I thought that super kick near fall was really really amazing. Um, and this is something uh, like we talked earlier about how the Lucha match felt very exhibitionary. Ari, here, I didn't find that at all. Uh, I thought the struggle was really fantastic where it felt like they were all battling for position or battling for a move or battling for, for, for to be on top uh, uh, and stuff. So it was all, all that rolled in. Yeah, there was a couple missed time spots that some people might uh, – really highlight on it because they people just don't uh they they really they get wrapped around a, a blown spot and can take them out of a match uh there's a couple missed time spots but it didn't take me out uh because the struggle is real and all that all you can just pass it on to that they were just fighting and struggling for for positioning it gives it a sense of it gives it a sense of realism yeah and everything's not absolutely perfect yeah exactly and i just love this match and it would have a tough tough time being followed on any any show anywhere it was it was really cool and it's almost like you know a lot of times these world title nwa world title matches would go 25 30 minutes because they're doing so much mat work here they went like 15 or 16 minutes so the the mat work was really interesting and it never but it didn't take up so much time where you got bored or it got tedious it never everything they did it felt it felt like it was it felt like they were working at a really good pace, and nothing felt like they were eating up time. Everything mattered, and I felt they worked the perfect time time constraint for this type of match. Uh, really, really impressed with both guys, and and the and the crowd heat was just awesome for it too. Uh, what about you, Kelly? What about you? What do you think of this match? Oh yeah, um, it was the best match from the Sportatorium, and God knows how many months, or at least that was my impression. I haven't mm-hmm. been throwing out stars <laughs> very often, but I played, I'm not as high as you, Pete, on this, but I, I went three and a half. Um, 
And I think it did really high on the Death Valley Driver uh, poll. Yeah, I, I, it probably did. I didn't check. I should have, but it was no, it was my it was my f- favorite match from the the world class set. There we go. Oh really? Wow. No, yeah. I hadn't seen this before. I, I'd, I'd heard they had a good match. I wasn't sure if it was this or something from a, a Fort Worth show or what, but um, that's cool. It's it's basically the NWA World Title Broadway, but with the middle portion cut out of it. Because it starts um, like a like a yeah like a match you thought you would think would go sixty minutes with a it was a slow pace at the beginning because you know they have to pace themselves for an hour that's what it felt like and then you kind of got um, fast forwarded at at some point to what would have been the last ten minutes or so of a of an epic uh, NWA Broadway title match. So yeah, that's that's that was my impression. This is basically the abridged version of um, of what Flair was doing quite a lot at this time. And interrupt uh, real quick, it was ranked really number eleventh on the Death Valley Driver set. Okay, wow. So almost yeah, right on, right to the almost in the top ten. Kelly, maybe yeah. that's why Kelly, maybe that's why I like this so much. It fast forward through all the boring bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean some of those Broadways are. Definitely hard to watch because there's a lot of time to fill and, and it's not always um, filled in the most exciting way. But I, it would have been interesting to see it, what um, they would have done, these two guys, because I thought my last note is this could have been like an all-time great match with more time. I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I often complain that matches go too long just for the sake of going too long, but I think this one could have been a real epic match like with flair and terry or flair and uh david even uh that we've seen before in the past um from the territory anyway so but no this was this was really good lots of cool near falls at the end and uh it's it's a typical uh nwa champion flair type victory with the the body press being reversed and adams kicked out at three basically like to show that he wasn't you know defeated by any means like he technically lost but he was still had lots in him so yeah yeah really good match great stuff well i'm gonna i'm gonna go next okay cool uh oh you're last yeah yeah i know I was just, I'm, I'm, you're the host i was waiting i'm trying to do the right thing by you pete oh well, well i just said and he said that's it i thought that was a good enough transition uh, okay 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 who am i, to, who, who am I? <laughs> I, I was just trying to just I was def- a fucking host who thought i was deferring to you okay <laughs> okay i love this match as people if you've been listening to the show you you already know i've been waiting to get to this this is this this is one of my little tent poles that I was waiting to get to. I love this match, and the thing is, yeah, if it was longer, it could be a classic. But this is a TV match, and for a TV match, this is amazing. It's it's oh, it's so goddamn good. It's yeah, Flair's a formula guy, but like we said, he's got a lot of formulas. He doesn't have one formula. He's got a formula for every occasion, and this is. I'm coming into the territory, taking on a young punk that I, I that I'm taking for granted, and uh, and and then I get surprised by how good he is. That's this match, and those are usually shorter. You know, the the one with Jerry Lawler is my favorite, 
I think that's, it was 10 minutes or, or something, but, uh, but you know, sunshine's out there. But here's the thing, man, if you like a flat ass, sunshine's the gal for you. You know, I know some guys are into that Kelly, but you know, uh, not, <laughs> not me. That's harsh. You know I mean? That's okay. harsh. And okay. I'm uh, called for criticism. <laughs> and Flair's being led to the ring by like his own entourage. Is as the traveling? Does the traveling world champion have an entourage? That because there were guys walking out with him who aren't the normal world class guys, including a hillbilly in overalls. Who looks like one of the, the regular? He looked like one of the regulars from Hee Haw, the one with the pencil thin mustache, <laughs> like, whose name escapes me. I should know it. Um, and I just and, and Flair here, uh, he, you know, he, he talked. Here's the most heelish thing he actually does in this match because he doesn't wrestle like a heel. This is a clean match. He doesn't cheat at all in this match, but he goes to. Sunshine, hey baby, you're the only woman in Dallas not cheering for Ric Flair tonight. And she gets all hot under the collar. And then as she's outside the ring, and I remember seeing this for the first time. And it, this, I give this a billion stars just for this. Ric Flair flexes his man tits at Sunshine. Yeah, hey, baby. Great. <clears throat> you know, that's <laughs> oh, chef's kiss. He's the greatest. I'm sure Flair refers to him as his pecs, but that's 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 another story. Okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> but me and you call him our mantis. I mantis. understand that too. You know, come on. You know, that's what we call them. Yeah. Because <laughs> now, at, now Bill Mercer here. Now everyone knows Bill Mercer sucks. Bill Mercer was not bad here. In his own awful way of announcing. He was putting over Ric Flair amazingly for people who view his descriptions of how the champion works and why he's at an, at the elite level of athlete and everything was really good. I mean, it was his, in his own clumsy way, but it was good. You know, it, it gave the importance of Ric Flair. Uh, it made it very clear. Uh, and, he does. This is the only thing. This is the one, the one weird thing. I guess you can't. You, they couldn't have edited this out. But he oh, he's mentions a couple times about how David has his big shot coming up, yeah. and so that was a little like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, which got me thinking. I'm like, was there a possible plan that David was gonna win the belt for a little while at, at this? this next get together. And that was how the carry thing happened. But who knows? I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm speculating, but, and then, but then just as I was thinking how Bill is doing a very good job with this match, uh, Chris Adams hits an Enziguri and Bill Mercer goes apeshit calling it the super kick. It's the super kick. He hit the super kick and it was, it was the Enziguri. And I, now I don't expect him to have known the term Enziguri, but the fact that he thought that was the super kick tickled me. But nothing he could say could get me down on this match. This is Ric Flair's, one of my, his favorite formulas is this. And Chris Adams is so fucking good here too. And they really meshed. And uh, I'd love to see a, a Fort Worth, you know, length match between these two. But, you know, this is one of my, this, yeah, this, I, I could go on forever. This is one of my favorite matches ever. Period. I just I enjoy this match. This is like the third time I've watched it, and I it's it's in my top ten of favorite matches. I love yeah, it. I think there's only one other it. only one other time these guys' match may tape, 
and that was when Adams uh, had Gary Hart as a manager. Oh, I remember I don't, reading I don't know about was, that. Huh? I, remember, I remember reading about that in the magazines. Yeah, there's a we. It's on tape, so it, it should be up. I think it's a Sportatorium show too. Mm. I remember watching mm. it. I just know that. That'd be neat to see because him as a heel against a, a Flair getting babyface reactions in Texas. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I remember I liked it, but uh, I thought I thought it made the set. I'm not 100 percent sure. I might not have. Um, but but here we go. That's the show, folks. Um, you know, I thought it was in the you know the show kind of was all right, but man, the main event saved it because it was kind of. Besides that Freebird interview, I nothing did anything for me. But then the main event, I uh, made it easy. You got to watch the thumbs up show just because of the main event. What about you, John? Oh well, you know I love it because uh, it's that main event, man. That's uh, it's one of my favorite matches. Kelly, yeah, I, I really like this best match since God knows how long. As far as the um, regular sportatorium shows go, and yeah, other than well, like I said, we'll save. Oh, I think I said we'll save the David's talk for the end, but we'll save the David talk for the tribute show we're going to be reviewing in two weeks, and then we can we can say everything, <laughs> or at least I'll I'll get everything off my chest about that whole situation. Well, we have that coming up, folks. <laughs> On that note, have a great week. But hey, before we go, uh, Johnny, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, Gideon guys, my podcast with Travis, where we go over DC's. Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we're having a good time. We're really finding our our rhythm. Our last two shows, we really found our rhythm, and they're. I'm gonna flat out say it, they're really fucking funny. So even if you're not interested in this superhero TV show, if you listen to this, give it a shot. Uh, Gideon guys, it's um, we're having a great time. There we go, Kelly. What about you, my friend? Yeah. Well, speaking of Travis, I will be doing a podcast with him uh his his uh yours mine and the truth show that he does where he talks about something from his youth that he was into something from pop culture and he's kind of going back now as a early 40 something and looking back to see you know through adult eyes how how it aged or this aged or whatever and we're going to be talking about comic books we're going to be talking about todd mcfarlane spider-man comic books um, specifically and that was something we were both really into at the time late 80s early 90s actually that's when I met Travis we were in junior high together in Calgary and we wrestling and comic books rule we bonded over so we're going to talk about comic books this time instead of wrestling what about Dungeons and Dragons did you guys do that too I was never ever into that and I never ever will be <laughs> Yeah, no never mind thing either. I'm just curious. Usually, I, I, I'm like I'm a nerd, and usually a lot of nerd habits all you know they bleed. But in Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. never did. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. I was into D and D for a little while, like seventh grade and the uh, late sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade, and me and my friends would play, and and we would cheat. I mean, we would cheat to make it go faster and just have more fun. And so we liked it. We're like, yeah, D and D's fun. And we went to high school. And you had to pick a club, and there was Fantasy Gaming Club, 
So we were like, hey, let's do that. And then we sat down in there and we looked around at everyone and we got, we got to quit this fucking club or we're never getting laid in four years. And, uh, <laughs> and we never went back and we never went back. Wise choice. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to get, you don't want to sit at that lunch table. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> uh, no offense to anybody, but nope, nope, nope. Out. Yeah, well, you know, hey. I, I want to say I've, I've been watching Stargirl, and it's, 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 it's definitely aimed for a younger audience, but there's still a lot of cool stuff if you're into the Just Society of America. So I would definitely check, check it out because the lead has a lot of charisma. She's great. Yeah, she's fantastic in the role. Uh, the, the special effects, I think, are pretty damn good. I think they're better than most of what's on the WB. Um, or the CW. The CW, yeah. yeah, yeah uh, it's hard to keep track. Here. It's yeah, hard to keep track. You're, I think I'm watching Michigan, Buffy. Michigan um, J Frog. Michigan J Frog. On yeah. the WB. It's yeah. like the Gilmore Girls on the WB. But the, the the actual stripe robot is pretty freaking tight. Uh, yes. So hey, it's definitely say, uh, definitely if you. And I'll say the first opening scene of that episode for episode one. It's one of the top five ten action scenes I've ever seen on the W. Uh, on the CW uh, 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 superhero shows. Uh. Oh yeah, it's. I'll, I'll say this for it too. We'll wrap it up. Here's here's why it's great. It's something. If you have kids, you can sit down and watch this with your kids and not have to worry about anything. Now, um, I think uh, our friend Matt D didn't think it was appropriate for his eight year old. You know, but in general, if you're sitting down with a 10, 11 year old, it, this is full full family entertainment. There's nothing to worry about. It's great. It's a, it's just a living comic book, and it's it's and it's overseen by Jeff Johns, who created Stargirl. Yeah. So you know he's going to do it with a, with a lot of love. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're going to have like a lot of these geek moments with which we've seen so far in the first two episodes. On that note, everyone have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. My heart aches and troubles are just up and gone The moment that you come in view And with your hand in mine, dear I could dance on and on And I could waltz across Texas with you across Texas with you in my arms Walls across Texas with you Like a storybook ending I'm lost in your charms And I could waltz across Texas with you